folks, this is Christopher Galati with another episode of Galani and Chill. This week being the week of July 17th, and I got something a little, little, little special for you. Something I couldn't finish in one iteration of Galani and Chill. I gotta split this guy's career up because it's too big and illustrious and amazing. Of course, the man I'm talking about is Jackie Chan. And with me, talking about Jackie Chan is Stephen Chan. Hi, everybody. Or, I'm sorry, Stephen, Steve O'Teary. I ch- yeah, I, I had to change my last name, but uh, hello. Uh, it's great to be here. I'll answer any questions about my father. Um, <laughs> oh, I said that, like that. You're, you're the son he, he ratted out to, to the Chinese government. It's and true. Sent away to prison for 20 years. <laughs> He's like, not you. Not you, bud. So you I changed don't... my name and I got out of there. You got out. You broke out for uh, possessing a single joint in China because that's they give you twenty years for that, and uh, you busted out of the old old Sing Sing or their version, uh, Chan Chan prison. <laughs> yeah, that's Jackie Chan's <laughs> prison that he owns. Um, yeah, you know, you get. I got in one little fight, and then uh, my mom got scared. Yeah, and then she moved me. With my auntie and uncle in Bel Air. A re-education jail. <laughs> a re-education jail in Bel Air. Uh, <laughs> now I, I have Americanized myself. I'm familiar with everything Americans love. And apparently Americans love Jackie Chan. So that's why we're going to be talking about uh, Jackie Chan today. Yeah, you know, uh, of course I could go on and on and on about some of the things we've heard about Mr. Chan. But really, in reality, I know, Steve, you share the sentiment. This guy... Made some really fucking great movies. And I, I remember, okay, this is a memory I have. I remember as a child, it snowed and I really wanted to see Rumble in the Bronx. And as a way to try and convince my my mom to take me to go see Rumble in the Bronx, I spelled out in the snow in front of our, yeah, in front of our yard, <laughs> Rumble in the Bronx. <laughs> uh, I don't think she saw it. Dude, uh, you're you're a bigger fan than me. Well, you know, keep in mind, then I saw Super Cop, and I I never did it again. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed Super Cop, but not as much as I enjoyed Rumble in the Bronx because I did the go Bronx see it. Is a special, fun, goofy movie that everybody needs to watch once and to Was understand what introduction comedy is. Introduction to Jackie Chan in America. Yeah. You know what, Steve? I don't know yet. Because guess what, bud? Like I said in the beginning of this podcast, I got to split this guy's career up. Oh, we're cracking it open like a crab. We're cracking it open like the crab. And I'm I'm working on the legs right now. Just the legs. Uh, now, you might be asking yourself, what the fuck does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> Crack it <laughs> open to, like the legs? Trying to figure out around this metaphor. Um, well, you know what? It's like a finger pointing at the moon. And I know there's a Bruce Lee quote, which is... Uh, sacrilege to some. Sacrilege to a but also you know, podcast. They crossed paths, so technically it is still allowed. So I'm okay with it. I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it go. Just let the finger. You know, don't look at the finger, or else you miss out on all that heavenly glory and all those silly shenanigans of Jackie Chan, like sliding through chair holes and stuff. I, Steve, I have to split this up. I'm I'm doing part one today of four parts. Four parts? Jackie Chan's career. 150 movies this guy Holy, started. Oh, that's too many movies. That's too many movies. And the, what I'm doing is I'm going to be doing um, a decade 
of his career. So I'm going to start with the 70s. I'm going to work my way to the 80s and then the 90s and then 2000 and beyond. It's too many movies. It's four parts. I feel like that's fair on both my on both J- Jackie Chan's filmography and my own sanity. That's fair. That is fair. Because I can't watch that many movies in a month. Can't watch that many movies. And I have to say, the first iteration of this, it's definitely the most interesting, but it's probably going to be the least entertaining. Maybe not. Maybe when we get to the 2000s, it might start sliding off a little bit. But um, yeah, so that's on the uh, that's on the itinerary today. But uh, but first, I want to talk about what we've watched this this week. The new, the fresh takes, the yeah. fresh pot. Exactly. Something something that we uh, we all may have watched, something that we, a few of us may have watched, but uh, anything that you would like to talk about uh, that you've seen this week, I'm oh, all ears, Steve. Ooh. Whatever you got. So I have been, this is the thing, okay? Uh, what have you been since, doing? What have you been doing? This I mean, I've been doing a lot of stuff. Oh, fuck have you been doing? I've been doing a lot of stuff, but here's the thing. I've been very tepid about one thing. And I still haven't done it yet. But I've, I, 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 I want to cautiously watch the Resident Evil show on Netflix. Oh, well. Steve, are you in for it? Because I watched three episodes. All right, give me the give me the rundown. Give me the lowdown. What what are we what are we in for? So it's a sequel to the games, a sequel that has never been a game. So it's brand new uh, material. Uh, um, and I'll tell you a little 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 tidbit. Mm-hmm. Raccoon City blew up already. Wow, we're just jumping jumping to this part, and they rebuilt it. And there's oh. a, a new Raccoon City. New Raccoon City. New Raccoon City. And and Wesker made some clones. Oh. And they they live in this city. And they're they're two black girls. Uh I don't know the race in particular, but they are Wesker's clones, and they are also the main characters of the show. Okay. It has zero connectivity to the Resident Evil game franchise other than Wesker's name, zombies, and liquors, and dogs. Okay. Take take all the, the enemies in Resident Evil and put them in a young adult TV show. Mm. Any young adult TV show? So I could put it in, like, Smallville. I think it would have, well, Smallville... <laughs> That probably wouldn't work because you got Superman running around, you know. Well, not just... yet. He's not Superman yet. Yeah, he could, he could do stuff. He's not Superman right? yet. He he Clark. He Clark. He can't He's fly Clark. yet. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. It's just. I don't know. It's so hard to differentiate it from any other young adult type show that's on. It seems just like a CW show with Resident Evil elements. So I heard one of one of Wesker's daughters says I watched Zootop- Zootopia porn. Yeah, that's uh, it's in there. Is it like? Do they respond? It's does, more is that like it's, a mic drop, and everybody just leaves the the vicinity. It's, it's, it's a line said by a petulant teenage daughter to a 
a father trying to gain some intimacy and closeness with his his daughter. That being Albert Wesker. No. Oh. He's not really in it. He's like in it in flashbacks. <laughs> I see. Okay. Wait till you see those. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't understand. How do you fuck this up so many times? They fucked it up. That's what you're telling me. You're telling me they fucked it up. I don't understand. I'm boggled. I watched every Resident Evil movie, Steve. You watched every Resident Evil movie. Have you watched the new one? I haven't. I haven't. Well, then you haven't watched every Resident Evil movie. (laughs) Well, that's true. But still, how do you do it? How do you... Like, I I think throughout all of this, you could fuck up and succeed somehow. They're batting a thousand at fucking up Resident Evil. It's, it's like, literally there. <laughs> it is such. It is. It is the least well adapted adaptation I have experienced in my lifetime. Yes, of something that's genuinely good, at least in terms of of horror, of survival horror. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think of like. Can you imagine in like the past where it was like a book that they kept fucking up? <laughs> I don't think that exists. Like every time they adapted it, like can you imagine like there was like three other, four other Gone with the Winds before Gone with the Wind <laughs> with Clark Gable? Like, this is a sequel to Gone with the Wind where the farm gets burned <laughs> down and they rebuild it, and it's called New O'Hara Land. Frankly, <laughs> <laughs> my dear, I watch Zootopia porn. <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> how do you like how do you just and it's funny because everybody just sort of skirts around the plot of the games and never actually adapts them uh, hmm. okay what is that what is that cl- about i'll say that the new movie is probably the closest to the games right but i mean you know like if we think about it we really put our heads together the first Resident Evil game would make a great adaptation. It would be fantastic. It's the pr- the problem with the new one is they try to put Resident Evil one and two into the same movie, and also they're just like, "Fuck it, here's some characters that talk smarmy," and you're like, "No, stop it, please. You're you're embarrassing yourself." I mean, do they need? Is it like a comedic relief thing? Like, because I've seen that in some of the movies where they have to add some goofball. I mean, that's what they, the, the goofball in the new Resident Evil movie was Leon. And he literally, everybody makes fun of him because he shot his partner in the ass. And like, the thing is, it's not like a redemption arc for this character. It's this character, Leon S. Kennedy, or Ass Kennedy, as they call him, is a bumbling goofball who, uh, he does, I guess, redeem himself. But like, he fucks up throughout the entire movie where he's just like, you're just like, I hate this guy. He's you so know dumb. Funny? You just described every Jackie Chan character I've seen. And like, even in the good movies. Yeah, but he's, he's still like, he's I like, know. Goofy, he's not but as he's entertaining like, as competent. He's fighting competent. Oh, oh, I see. I see. Okay. Like Leon's not even fighting competent. He's like, <laughs> oh my God, I dropped my gun and it, it went into my boot. Now I'm shooting the bottom of my boot. Like, he's like that guy. He's like the bee bit my bottom and now my bottom is bee big. Well, like that's, I I bring up a Simpsons character, actually a Simpsons uh, episode that reminds me of this. It's, um, there was an episode of the Simpsons. I don't remember the title or the season, but it was, 
Homer was watching the show. It was like a cop show. And the character on the show was named Homer Simpson. Oh, I remember that one. You yeah. Remember that? And he was like mm-hmm. real suave and he had like a, a, a scarf. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I do shoulder. remember that. And he had that well, sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, that's the thing. After Homer like found out about it and wanted to love the character, they changed the character. Oh, right. Right. That's it. Into like a bumbling idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that no one likes. And that's how I feel about Resident Evil in general. i feel like that they took characters that we all really like and plots and just i don't know converted them into stupid yeah like i i okay so like i don't think resident evil when it comes to my head i don't think teen drama no no that doesn't come up at all i don't i don't think of like comedy characters either like i don't like i think you can have like comedic moments of tension like relief yeah 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 like i think um there are even moments in the game that's that sort of happens i feel like like you there are lighter moments if not comedic moments there are lighter moments like i was playing resident evil 2 remake there's a great little moment between leon and uh what's her name i'm sorry i'm totally blanking uh claire claire Okay. Uh, Claire, when they're at the gate and they're just oh like, yeah having like a cute little moment together, like do you why 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 can't you do that movie? Yeah, like just just make the characters likable because it's like they're in such an awful situation. It's it's not okay. It's not like a slasher movie where it's you want these characters to be dumb so you can see a bunch of dumb teenagers or camp counselors get like hacked to death for yeah, like two hours. Exactly. It's like we're rooting for these characters because they are the characters who survive. So we want to see them go through this ordeal. And there, you know, we learn throughout the games that they're all capable in some way. Right. Right. Shit. They're stars. They're, they're special forces in whatever uh, police unit that they're in. Is it, right. It's not the FBI. What is it? No, they're, police? they're the stars, the search and rescue, uh, search tactics and rescue uh, squad. Search tactic, and that is not is that connected to the raccoon police? Yeah, or? yeah, they're yeah. they're like they're okay. like their um SWAT team for specifically like finding like lost people. So they're capable, genuinely likable, and and honorable people because they're fighting against what is it corporatism in general? Yeah, I mean, like like that is the plot of these games where it's just like, um the like a big business is so corrupt that like you know it has completely destroyed an entire uh mansion slash small town slash giant city the size of Racken city is constantly fluctuating it seems like to me like a small little city to me i don't yeah i've always kind of pictured that in my head um but yeah i think it i think what they get what they only see when they see Resident Evil is cor- corporatism gone bad. And then they just sort of run wild with that concept with totally new characters. And it never works. Yeah. <laughs> it just fucking never, ever works. I mean, that was the problem with like the uh, Paul Anderson ones where it's like no one cares about any of the other characters when you've got like the Terminator like exactly. in these situations, like why should I care? It's Terminator. Like, yeah, it, Alice represents the ultimate weapon against whatever situation that they're in. So 
Why would anybody have to be deemed capable or interesting other than Alice? Right. I, yeah, trust me. I, you know, I think what makes Resident Evil so fun is that it's a survival horror, you know, like, yeah, they're regular people that are stuck in a terrible situation. They're capable. They, they're just not capable and, and have the skill set to deal with what they're dealing with. Right. Like they have, they have goals that have brought them into this ordeal where it'll be like Claire's trying to find where her brother went after the first like game. Uh, Leon starting his first day of work. Um, and like, you know, those are like, you know, real like life situation, like things that, you know, people go through and then it puts them into the heart of like this, this madness. So like, I feel like that is more than enough to do something with or like horror movie where you're going into like this weird mansion like that. Like that's literally like perfect uh, horror movie idea. Yeah. That's (laughs) like, uh, what is that Liam Neeson movie? It's not a great movie, but the haunting is that the what that haunting. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like they're in that mansion and it keeps getting like weirder and weirder. Like or like the house on Haunted Hill. Yes, or like yes. So many haunted house stories that have existed in media. Like and, and then you throw in the big twist of it being all like science and scientifically run, you know, like there is no mm-hmm. supernatural and it's people that are pulling the strings on this one. And like you even have like uh, you even have a built in like twist. Where it's like, oh, Wesker was behind it. The leader of this search team has been behind it. Spoilers to Resident Evil, a 25-year-old game, by the way. <laughs> Come on. I mean, like, I guess it's to the point where they feel like they have to make the story bigger than it is. And that, and it, it always just blows up. And yeah. especially in this case... I, I don't even think Resident Evil functions well if it's a TV show. Like, I think it should just be a standalone films. Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 2. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like if you make it into a TV show, you're you're kind of... There's plot in Resident Evil games, but there's not that much. And you can't... It's a lot of, like, so puzzle thin. solving. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, there's not much plot. And, and listen, the plot of Resident Evil is not, like, in, in incredibly in-depth or anything. No. But, like... When did a horror movie need a really in-depth plot to be good? Right. Like, it's... Make it relatable, likable characters. Put them in a situation way bigger than them. And don't treat it like comedy yuck-yucks. Like, just make it like a horror movie slash thing. Well, Steve, you didn't get that with this TV show. Ah, ah. What you got was a bunch of boob jokes, some Zootopia porn jokes. I like boob jokes. The Zootopia jokes thing, I'm going to have to learn to like, I guess, if that's if being a Resident Evil fan, it takes now, I guess. A French cult leader. Okay. That is kind of like the Matrix. Uh, It's a kill. Oh boy! Yeah, who who thought? Who would have thought? That's a fucking kill. It's as bad, if not if not worse, than the Anderson movies. Damn. Yeah, I know. Again, would Again. you? Okay, would you rather finish this out or rewatch the first three <laughs> Anderson movies? Oh, ah, uh, oh, those first three. <laughs> well, at least the first one is somewhat good. It's okay. Yeah, I'd rather watch Paul Anderson movies. Oh my god, okay. 
Yeah. That that speaks volumes. I mean, they're only what like eighty five minutes piece anyway, right? Yeah, they're just like <laughs> boom. Done. You just you want it done. Just sit down and just turn your brain off for an hour and a half. We still get some cool wire foo and Alice doing. That, she kicks that, that dog kick over and over again. Yeah, that That's laser cool. room scene's pretty neat. I guess there's less I have to pay attention to with the Paul Anderson movies too, because there's a lot of work moving elements in this show, and it's just nothing, nothing has anything to do with the original Resident Evil series. That's I I love the idea where it's like a sequel to a thing that never existed. <sighs> yeah, exactly. that's weird. <laughs> I guess like, and I, it doesn't all fall down to the excuse that, oh, they know the story. So we have to write something original. So they won't expect it. I, that, that can't be the, the only motivation here. Mm-hmm. Like if this is a, a logarithm driven show. Right. On Netflix. Like there's no other, there's it's, no only way to They bought it. the brand. And they were like, I guess we I don't know. Because it's like the same Stranger production Thing, People like it? Stranger Things. Hey, teen drama, right? That's what Stranger Things is. It's like, no, that's not. Hmm, stop it, guys. Stop it. I just realized I did actually watch something this week that is new. Oh, yeah? Would you Fresh. Uh, it's only one episode in on HBO Mask. It, uh, Mask. Wait, HBO you, Max. That was the thing. The rehearsal? The rehearsal. Oh, I watched that too, man. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What'd you think? Oh, that was fucking great. It was so wild. And it was, I can't wait for the second episode, but that first episode, I was like, this is awesome. The Nathan, (laughs) Nathan Fielder has a new show. This show is an insane plot. It's absolutely off the wall. Insane. Yeah. The concept of it is Nathan Fielder essentially uh, runs through, runs you through many rehearsals of something you are working yourself up to do. So in the first episode, this guy uh, has to tell his friend that he plays like Quizzo with. Yeah, it's Bark Quizzo. Yeah, it's Bark Quizzo. He has to tell his friend he plays Quizzo with that uh, he lied about getting his master's degree and he only has his bachelor's degree. (laughs) He's like, he's like actually like kind of torn up about it. Like he's like a little scared. Listen, Uh, I I relate. I think if I was in that scenario, that's like a little white lie, but still something that would. It's something he has held on to for 15 years. So like Nathan Fielder, like legit, like I don't want to give like tell too much about it, but like he legit builds like a complete replica of the bar they do quizzo at. I mean, it is astounding how close he gets. To yes. Fucking bar. It is astounding. Like when you see it, it kind of reminded me of severance where it's like the house. <laughs> Like yeah. that part reminded me of that. And I was like, holy smokes. I, um, yeah, I, ah, oh, man, I'm a big Nathan Fielder guy. I think, uh, Nathan for you is a genius television show. Yeah. I just rewatched the first episode of that. And I, I forgot the silly bits where it's like, he's got like a seven year old telling him what to say during a job interview. <laughs> yeah. Like, like even the little stuff like that's really funny. I, I, um, I'm also a big fan and, ha- uh, there's a show that he produces on on hbo called how to with john wilson have you watched that steve no what is that all right so how to with john wilson is a guy that basically walks around new york with a camera all day Mm. and he just films the most wild like silly goofy shit and each episode 
is loosely based around a topic. Like he did an entire episode of scaffolding in New York. <laughs> okay. And why they're scaffolding fucking everywhere, which is a question I even had when I lived there. And right. He, uh, he obviously has like that sardonic wit that uh that nathan fielder has and almost yeah. so dry that it you're not sure if they're being funny right um i think that's in- incredible but yeah it's just basically a, a show a documentary comedy mm-hmm. it's the best way i could describe it anyway <clears throat> i'm pretty big fan of everything that nathan fielder does uh, and this is fucking great the yeah. end the end of this is hilarious <laughs> it's laughing my ass oh my god dude i died i died. like <laughs> i was watching it and like we were like oh that's kind of mean that he like told him that like he got like you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. the stuff oh, and, oh, then, yeah. <laughs> and then wow yeah the end i didn't expect it but it was <laughs> very funny very funny um yeah that show uh that's a mary i I already tell i'm gonna love every episode of that um and that's a good thing that we watched yes this week um okay you know i hit every i hit every base of quality i'm gonna hit the mediocre base oh let's go because i also saw uh thor love and thunder Ooh, okay. This this was very much anticipated. The follow up to Thor Ragnarok, which uh, I really liked. Yeah, I. Uh, me too. I think. Uh, uh, I'm trying to pronounce his name. Uh, Taika Watiti. Taika Watiti. There it is. Taika Watiti. Uh, Taika Watiti is a big. I'm a big fan of his. I really do enjoy pretty much all of his films. I just, you know. Seeing it, Steve. I don't. Do you didn't see this, right? I have not seen it, but I haven't seen it yet. You know, uh, feel feel free, feel free, feel free to you know. Give I'm going to indulge more. a little. I'm going to indulge yeah. a little, just because I know we're we're going to we go back to the regular podcast next week. We're probably going to talk more in depth about it, but yeah, because um, you know I know Devin and John both saw this, so it was uh, it was okay. Mm-hmm. It's very okay. I think um, it has. It has one of the sloppiest third acts I've ever seen in a Marvel movie. That's kind of impressive considering how sloppy a lot of Marvel third acts are. And listen, you know, I'm not one of those people that is going to rag on Ragnarok because I think it's a great movie and it's fun. It's a little loose in plot, but that makes it fun, you know? This... I feel like this is trying to be like a character study, but it just doesn't have the plot around it to do it. Mm. Does that make sense? I get that completely. Also, I will say um, I'm all about the tone shifts. I know that a lot of people don't like them. I particularly like them in Marvel movies because the serious stuff in Marvel movies is already, already kind of silly and Mm -hmm. stereotypical. And a little cookie cutter, like the drama yeah. is never really that interesting. For a select few cases, I'd say I'd, there would be better drama than most. Yeah, but this film, man, it totally is fucking all over the place, um, and that kind of is weird to me. That yeah, that hmm. it seems like in your. I mean, I know there's a lot of like sophomore slumps, but. 
I think that this one would be a little more. I feel like they would give him more, maybe like a little more free reign. Well, that's the thing, you know, a lot. Is it too much free reign? You think? I think there was, there was, there was a rumor going around that he shot like a three hour movie Uh and he had to cut out a lot of stuff. Um, I would say that that stuff that he cut out, maybe fixed the tone a little bit. Probably. Cause there are, there, there are moments that he's trying to create the villain to be something really scary. Mm -hmm. Horror doesn't function well surrounded by comedy. You know? Yes. I think, um, if, since we're talking Marvel, I think, uh, multiverse of madness did a pretty decent job at that i agree i i i agree i think that movie is more there's a silliness and playfulness to it but that comes across more in the direction right that that's definitely like sam raimi's bag right and and that and it works but there's also he can balance that with horror elements really well yeah like that movie made me like like scarlet witch a little more than i had previously because i was like oh yeah when she does like put her like full powers to the test she's like a spooky ass like terminator basically yeah 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 no i i definitely got that too and you know a lot of people are, are ragging on that movie too now like a lot of retrospective on that film is not it's not faring well you know, it wasn't it wasn't the best film, but also I had fun when I watched it. So, you know, I can't. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it made a it made a villain that I actually was in dread of. Yes. Uh, which I think Marvel just just has a hard time doing. They can't and, do it very well. And so you think they were trying to, like, bring out the horror in this villain? Most certainly. I think um, there are certain scenes in the film that are buffeted around really goofy scenes that I feel like maybe were longer. Yeah. And maybe had a little bit more context to, and the horror was there and then he cut mm. it out. That's the way I feel. When I okay. This. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I just feel, yeah, it's very inconsistent and um, I don't think it's as funny as Ragnarok either. I think Ragnarok's a funnier movie. Ragnarok is one of my favorite jokes in it. My, my favorite Marvel jokes of all time. And that's just the scene where they're talking about Loki, like doing snakes or something like, Oh yeah. Like he's like, was a snake. it was my it was birthday. A snake. And then I stabbed you. I went, ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's listen. I, I, I will say that being said, and the, some of the best things in Ragnarok are Thor being aloof and stupid. Yeah. I think that character is starting to run its course. It's wearing thin. It is because in this film, I think uh, what TD was trying to do, like I'm, I, I want Thor to go inside. I want him to be more introspective, but it just didn't come across because he's so, he's such an idiot. That's okay. So like, you know? I feel like after the events of uh, Endgame, right? That was like the last time we saw Thor, right? Yeah, it was after, you know, he had to murder Thanos, or he did, and then he was in some sort of depression. He was in depression, and then he came back, and then they fought, and they won, and they defeated Thanos, and then he got on the spaceship with the Guardians, right? Yeah. Well, he was still fat. He was still fat, but, like... 
He wasn't that, depressed that was, fat, but he was like in the midst of his. He was thick. He was thick. And he was also in the midst of him like kind of in utter despair because everybody he loved is dead. Right. But um, like, I think that's like, yeah, something you can work with. But like, I think at that point, like he's not going to be as aloof. Like, I think like, you know. That's the thing. It, nothing like they try to really change him in this. And it just doesn't. Nothing comes of it. He's still kind of the same aloof idiot. I don't know. I, I again see it. I I would suggest watching it because it's it has its moments. Um, and I really like the Jason Aaron adaptation of Mighty Thor that they did in this. I'm not going to get into depth of what that is because mm-hmm. you haven't seen it. <clears throat> but yeah, I really enjoy what they did. Um, but other than that, I think it's a rough third act. It's inconsistent and it's definitely not as funny as Ragnarok. So I think it's a good sit. Good sit. Is uh what was it? Fuck, there's a fuck. This is a fuck, yeah, yeah. It's 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 as middle of the road as you can get. Okay. Of a fuck. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe everybody should just stop making (laughs) i don't know man i feel okay so i'm not gonna lie it's running a little thin that's all i think they should be done yeah like here's the thing okay i feel like if you ended at endgame we would have gone out being like damn the moral universe has been amazing 10 out of 10 monster success but now that they're trying to like continue on still I feel like a lot of their movies have just been a lot of treading or like them trying and just like, you know, there have been fun, like fan service movies, like, you know, the new Spider-Man, like that was a ton of fun. I enjoyed it. But also at the end of the day, do I want more and more of that? Not really. No, no, but I, I had fun with that. I had fun with multiverse of madness. Did I think it was great? No, but I had fun seeing Sam Raimi back in the director's chair. Um, Do you think there that any of these movies that we saw this year compare or are, come close to the Phase Three Endgame stuff? Because no. I don't, no, I no. don't either. I don't. No, like, not, like not the epicness and the large scale of everything. No, not even close. Black Widow had some good acting moments between um, Hopper and uh, what's her name from Midsommar. Oh my God, I feel so bad. I, I, I uh, David Harbor Poe. and yeah, Florence Poe. Um, but uh, like other than that, movie did nothing. <laughs> I mean, they made a movie about a dead character. Yes, right. I mean, yeah, it's, like it's basically fan service at that point. I feel like if they did like this, the like because the the shows like the shows kind of all have kind of just been like fine, yeah. like. At, they started intriguing with WandaVision because like that seemed like some next level stuff until we got to the end. And then it was like, oh, OK. And then that just sort of seemed like, you know, we're just going to just repeat ad nauseum. So it's like I I kind of I don't want more of the same, but I also don't like where they're going in this new direction because it seems like this entire phase is just saying goodbye to everyone. Like yeah, like oh, they're going away. No more of this guy. Like we already got that. You did that with Endgame. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. it's like this feels like an epilogue. 
of yeah. a face. It's not even like a full story. It's just what happens afterwards. And some people are into that. I'm not. I'm a little exhausted by the whole thing. Um, am I still going to see the next one? Probably. <laughs> yeah, you know, because it's not really a great thing to go into thinking. But I mean, what's the next Marvel movie next year? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, I'm going to see. I'm going to be stoked for Blade. Like, you can't yeah. take that away from me. You yeah, can't Blade. take that away from me, Chris. I did. Well, that's a character we all have grown to love because of yes. one, one really great, two really great movies. Yeah. That were made by somebody else. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> true. Making this one. That's what always bugs me a little. Like, just bring Del Toro back. Let him do another one. Oh, my goodness. That would be mo- like, okay. I think at this point, and I think I might have already said this, but like, just make the Marvel movies when you make them special. Like, yeah. you don't need to do your, like, seasonal, we're hitting budget points anymore. Like, just, it doesn't need to be a monthly affair anymore. Like, just it's make it more like, like, like product and not like. Exactly. <laughs> you remember when a Marvel movie was like once a year? Yeah. Now it's just like month after month after month. It's like some new Marvel thing to keep yourself on the line. And it's all like suffering because it's all stuff that's spread too thin and it's just not as substantial. Yeah. Like, uh, like, okay. So like, what are, what is the, the story we're building up to at this point? Like, do you know, Chris? Absolutely no clue. Exactly. And you've seen all of them. (laughs) I'll tell you what, what I think everything is building up to. We were talking a little bit about this on the forum or on our forum on the discord. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, Stin made a point about Dr. Doom being the ultimate connector to everything going on in this phase because you got all the mystic crap, all the the science and the the aberrants and the right. everything that a doom like character would probably use to his advantage. Yes. So, if that's the case, I guess like a secret wars type thing. Yeah, like that's like what they have to do, right? Secret wars between all of the multiverses, right? I would have to think so. I and I would think Doom would be smack dab in the middle of that. So, <sighs> But they ha- again, they just casted Yavier Bardem, but we don't know. It's a major villain role. I'm guessing that's Doom. Probably. I would hope, because that's really good casting for Doom. That's my favorite. That is literally what I asked for. If Okay, yeah. since they uh, since they stupidly threw away Mads Mikkelsen, yeah. I'll take Javier Bardem. Yeah, no, I listen, I'm a I'm a big on the Mads thing, but I don't know. I think uh I think Javier Bardem might be a better fit i just i i think yeah i think there's gonna be something special there too so i mean he was anton trigger i mean that character is legendary fuck and uh i think doom's way more articulate and intelligent um and i think he could do it i think he's a great actor too but Mm -hmm. um i don't know i that's a rumor we don't know what he's gonna do no so yeah, uh, another one for the Marvel books. What does this make this forty or something? Yeah, we'll just throw it in the pile. <laughs> another movie onto the pile. Uh, okay, well if that's it for the new stuff, I'm gonna move on over to Jackie Chan's seventies style. Let's go, Jackie Chan in the seventies. Boom! The beginning of the man's career. Now, Steve. <clears throat> I know you're going to sit there on your fucking porcelain, porcelain, porcelain. Am I on the toilet? (laughs) Your porcelain throne. Are you saying that I do this podcast on the toilet? And you're going to look down at me and you're going to be like, Chris, 
You didn't even review New Fist of Fury. His first film. What the fuck? That's what you're thinking, right, Steve? I mean, that was... I was going to say that at the beginning of the podcast, but I didn't, I didn't want to spoil your introduction. Well, I got a good point for that. Not that just I could not find it through torrent files. Mm. Um, I think once I go over all these movies, his first movie doesn't really matter as much as these other ones that I, that I chose. Um, the first film I chose is his second movie as a leading actor. Uh, it is Shaolin Wooden Men, uh, directed by Chen Chihaua, written by Gam Yam. Of course, you know Gam Yam, right, Steve? I mean, I invite Gam Yam to all my Christmas parties. <laughs> um, this film is uh, Jack Chan's first starring role outside of New Fist of Fury. New Fist of Fury was an attempt to make Jackie Chan into Bruce Lee. That was really the whole point of that film and it did not go over well nobody really Jackie i've never Chan even did... heard of this film exactly there's fist of fury there's the bruce lee movie fist of fury mm-hmm. um but this was supposed to be a spiritual sequel to that with a character that was supposed to be just like bruce lee and it's jackie chan it just doesn't work right i don't think it works so i i i skipped it and I went to Shaolin Wooden Men because it sounded really silly. Right. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this sounds more up my alley. Uh, Jackie Chan spends most of this film as a mute, given that his character would only speak after avenging his father's killer. So he's quiet throughout the whole movie. Um, and it's it's sort of... Jackie Chan, I think, functions best when he plays an idiot. Yes. I'm going to preface that through this whole series of movies. Jackie Chan plays an idiot better than shit. Better, as good as Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin. I think you're pretty right. I think that's pretty on the nose right there. Those are the characters that we all remember. And those are the scenes in the movies that we all kind of remember Jackie in is something where he's initially getting his ass kicked and you see it. Yes. like You see it on him. And that's a privilege that I think is is select amongst few action stars and the ones that I really like. Like your John McClane's, you know, like the guy who gets a, a, the shit kicked out of him. He's a regular guy and yeah. you see it and he's actively in pain. I, there's classic, classic. Right. That's a classic motif. And only some people can really pull it off, too. Yes. I think you have to have a little bit of a comedic edge to do it. Um, Jackie Chan is definitely that. So the entire film, in this film, he's mute, and it makes sense. He's kind of like the dummy. They're literally playing pranks on him throughout the whole movie. He, other characters a, are talking, though. Other Oh, yeah, yeah. Other characters okay. are talking. He, he's basically, he's he's in a, a Shaolin temple. He's in training. Mm-hmm. And there are other students with him. And there's actually a really solid uh, Kill Bill reference in this film where he there's that remember that in kill bill volume two there's that crash zoom out of Uma thurman on the stairs with all the water yes and she's carrying it up the stairs and it like zooms all the way out to see like the stairs and how yeah they are stolen right from this movie oh okay all right (laughs) he's carrying water upstairs literally the same exact pose and that's awesome that's awesome the, the water over the shoulders and everything what a um, hey Tarantino, you fucking nerd! 
<laughs> like after I watched the whole fucking thing. <laughs> hey, wait a second. This guy loves movies. movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and and I this film, he's like a, a student in a Shaolin monk school, a temple. Uh-huh. Uh, he's treated really poorly. They they put a hole in the bottom of his water jugs that he's carrying up the stairs. He doesn't even notice. So he's losing water as he's getting up there. And then when he gets up there, there's no water in there. You know, that classic, mm-hmm. that classic prank. That goof. Uh, and he doesn't know. And he's a real dummy in it. And eventually, uh, he you start to find out that he's a mute for purpose. And that he's training to kill his father's killer. And that's why he's even there training in general. And you start to learn that there's more to his character. This isn't for fun. This isn't for fun. This, this is... isn't... Th- What's what's that game? What's that game where he's trying to avenge his father's death? Fucking Shenmue. It's not Shenmue. <laughs> trying to avenge his father's death. It's Shenmue. Um, and, and you know they start to see his potential, and yeah, they allow him the test of the Shaolin wooden men. Um, and basically, it's a a room full of wooden training dummies that are automated. Um, and he has to to walk through it was like 300 of them there's not 300 obviously in the movie mm. but he has to fight through them and they're just guys in like wooden training dummy costumes that are just throwing punches like robots okay and he has to like run through the gauntlet uh with all these shaolin wooden men actually the shaolin wooden men were inspiration for um uh mokujin from the tekken series Oh, okay. The wooden training dummy is actually, I think, a direct rip from Shell and Wooden Men. Um, yeah, you get what I'm saying, what it looks like, right? Those, like, wooden training dummies that I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, well, they all come to light, and he has to run through the gauntlet. And then there's, like, another thing with this giant hot pot that he has to move with his wrists, you know? And he gets, like, this the tattoo on his wrist. I don't know if you've ever seen that in a karate movie. I sure have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he goes through this gauntlet and eventually gets training. And he the whole time, he's actually training with this random prisoner behind a waterfall who shows him the lion's claw technique, which can kill anybody. The whole point of the technique is to kill someone as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So he learns his technique from the, 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 the prisoner behind the waterfall. And then he meets a woman who works outside the Shetland Temple and she teaches him that defense is more important than offense and he has to he has to run on grease pits and not fall over uh that's like part of his training but sounds cool sounds pretty cool there's always cool training montages in these movies um but yeah finally the movie ends with him finding the killer of his father who knows who was the the prisoner the whole time behind the waterfall he had no idea they have a big climactic fight and the guy you know, uses the lion's claw technique, but Jackie ducks out of the way as he's being held. So the, 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 the end scene of this movie is Jackie being held from behind standing mm-hmm. and the, and the guy goes in for the lion's claw to attack Jackie, but then Jackie ducks out of the way and he lion claws himself. <laughs> oh, Jack, wait, the bad guy does the bad guy does. He finger, finger fist palm of death himself. And kills you himself. Buffoon. It's the silliest death. And that's partially, I think that was some Jackie Chan influence there. Because it's such a silly way to die. That's very silly. Um, but he didn't kill him at the end. So he stayed mute. 
which uh, he oh, said he would have. No. <laughs> which is really silly. <laughs> That's very silly. Where it's like, well, if I didn't kill him. Uh... All right. So this movie grossed a million dollars in the box office. It, it had some, it had, I think, a release in France, and that was about it. Uh, it was made in 1976. It had a runtime of 107 minutes. We're slowly building up to, I think, a fundamental Jackie Chan movie. Okay. And it's towards the end. But this isn't it. This next one. Um, to Kill with Intrigue is the well, name I'm, of this. I'm intrigued. This next movie, directed by Lo Wei. Lo Wei was actually the producer and director of many Bruce Lee movies and is considered the finder of both Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan. He's the guy that pushed them to stardom by producing their movies. He directed And that's it. huge. That's crazy. Right. Lo Wei was trying to kind of make Jackie Chan into Bruce Lee, like I was saying before. And this film is very serious. It's very much more like a Bruce Lee movie mm -hmm. than a Jackie Chan movie. Um, there is a solid Wu-Tang reference in this film. Nice. The gang that is uh, a killing Jackie Chan's family in this film is called the Killer Bees. That sounds pretty cool. They're on the swarm, as Wu-Tang would say. Um, now, Jackie Chan mentions in his book, I Am Jackie Chan, how much of the plot is confusing, and he wasn't sure if director Lo Wei, Lo Wei even knew what was going on. This created a great deal of tension on the set. This movie is so convoluted and stupid. <laughs> I think even the director, like he said in this, had no idea what the fuck was going on. Oh, man. Um, there's too many twists and too many turns to make it cohesive. Uh, basically, the, the plot is a woman whose family was murdered by Jackie Chan's character's family. Once revenge ends up killing mm -hmm. his whole family with the killer bees but then falls in love with Jackie Chan's character. And it's kind of like a weird love story. <laughs> That's very weird. Wait, wow. So it's like a very, very strange Romeo and Juliet situation. Yeah. Based on revenge and murder. <laughs> uh, um, oh, this is very important mm -hmm. for the Japanese release of this film. The character Chin Chin's name had to be changed because Chin Chin is slang for penis in Japanese. I mean, you got to change that. It's hard. To, it's hard to take somebody serious. Jackie Chan penis. fought against the change. So he wanted his name to be Penis. I added that part. Oh, God dang it. <laughs> God dang it, Chris. It should be Penis. I'm like, wait, he's fighting for that? All right. <laughs> Let's go, dude. Um, This film... I'm, I'm not going to stay too long on it. It was really not very interesting. Um, audience rating of 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. Made $254,000 at the box office. Had a runtime of 106 minutes. It was made in 1977, a year after Shellen Wooden Men, his mm -hmm. second starring role. Check your channel. So now we move on to his third film that I could find. <laughs> I will preface this as saying a lot of these movies are hard to find. Mm -hmm. I mean, even through Torrance, I couldn't find half of these movies. And the ones I did find, luckily, I think paint a really interesting portrait of his career at the time. Um, the next film is Snake and Crane Arts of the Shaolin. Uh, it says a runtime in 96 minutes. It was made in 1977. 
holds a 62% audience score in Rotten Tomatoes, and it budgeted $662,000. So as you can see, the movie budgets are going up. You know, I mean, not budgets, but the box office mm-hmm. are going up. He's ma- these movies are making some deal of money. Um, Lowey produced this film in conjunction with his production house, Golden Harvest. And like I said before, was well known for launching the careers of both Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan's stage name, which was used in some of the credits, but not all of them, which is really weird in this film, is Sing Lung, which translates to Becoming a Dragon, by which Chan is still known today in Asia. They still call him that. We don't know. I never knew that. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Sing Lung. That's his acting stage name before he took on his real name, Jackie Chan. This film, and it's weird because the next film we're about to talk to, which is I think a sequel to this, not, mm-hmm. not barely a sequel. It just has snake in the title. <laughs> Sounds like a sequel to me. I, I You would think that, right? Um, this film is really serious too. And you could tell, like I could tell at the beginning of this, it's just, I don't think Jackie Chan really knows who he is yet mm-hmm. in this film. Like he, it has that same serious revenge take on it too. Um, where Jackie Chan is trying to revenge the death of a, of a, a master, a teacher. Um, I just don't think he's made for that, you know, and he, it's so evident even back then. Right. Um, it's just, it's weird to see him in roles like this. And um, I think this film maybe was a point of understanding in his career because the next film I want to talk about, which is Snake and the Eagle Shadow, which is the film I'm very excited to talk about, is the beginning of the Jackie Chan that we all know and love. Okay, I'm listening. I'm li- I love I love they finally nailed it. They got the formula. They got the formula right. Um, because of the poor response to the new Fist of Fury, Snake and the Eagle Shadow was decided to be his Jackie Chan's next film, which is the film I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Although the concept did not sit well with film distributors, this comedy and drunken master would launch Jackie Chan to stardom. This was the first comedy that Jackie Chan was ever in as an actor. And he starred in it. Uh, It was directed by Yen Wu Peng. It was written by Neng Si Yun. Um, It has an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of 82%. It has a box office of $3 million. It was made in 1978 and has a runtime of 98 minutes. They didn't want him to make this. The distributors. They Why? didn't, they didn't, they didn't want to make a comedy at all. But they didn't think it would make money. <laughs> it's funny though. And I think that's the point. Like, I think a lot of them were more, inclined and had the perspective of somebody like Bruce Lee who wanted to make more serious kind of action drama films. Mm -hmm. And they didn't understand the potential of what Jackie Chan could do. Um, But this film is fucking hilarious. And it includes the trainer, a beggar. So the, 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 the beggar. So as they was referred to in Chinese folklore, uh, is a character that knows a, a certain brand of martial arts that he keeps secret and nobody suspects it because he's, you know, like a bum, mm-hmm. you know, and that is a huge, 
huge character in Chinese folklore is that beggar. So comes in, in various forms throughout Chinese folklore. And he's in this film and he is the one who trains. Uh, I think his name is whoa. No, no, no. That's the next movie. I forget Jackie Chan's characters in this in snake and Eagle shadow, but mm-hmm. he trains him in the style of the snake and the cat. Okay. Um, that sounds pretty cool. It is pretty neat. I, I feel like it's more drunken boxing than it is like snake style because it's so goofy and off the wall. There's a character in this film, uh, Beggar So's character, who fights off two thugs with a rice bowl and a pair of chopsticks. <laughs> and like he, fun. Oh, it's great. He's like knocking out people's teeth with the rice bowl and they're falling into the bowl and he's still holding the bowl upright as he's like fighting people. It's fucking mm. awesome. Uh, the the acrobats, the acrobatics and the slapstick uh, stunts are fucking on point. On, not just with Jackie either. Like there are a lot of characters in this film that have these like really goofy little scenes. Um, particularly, there is a priest in this movie who, spoiler, isn't a priest. He's actually <gasps> the only white guy I've seen in any of these movies. Oh, uh, snap. He announces himself as a Russian who's a warrior uh, after he's found out. And Jackie Chan's character disposes of him by punching him in the nuts. And I think he dies. Oh. <laughs> he hits him so hard. That's fair. He got punched so like, hard, his nuts exploded. He said, I found the snake after he hit him, too. Well, you don't punch somebody in the nuts and they say, I found the snake. That's very suggestive. <laughs> Jackie. I mean, it's it is funny. a comedy. It's I'm funny. laughing. It it's funny. true. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, this film is Barrel Monkeys. And it's it's sort of a precursor to Drunken Master, which is something mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about later. And it's my Drunken Master is my favorite of all of these films that I watched. Um, it's been a favorite for a while. I, I think Drunken Master is a great movie. But this movie, Snake and Eagle Shadow, slightly under it in quality. It's it's really good. I'm, really? I'm This one blew me away the most. Uh, Snake and the Eagle Shadow blew me away the most. And I, I can't recommend this enough. I think it's, if not slightly under Drunken Master, equal mm-hmm. to Drunken Master in quality. Um, but yeah, uh, Jackie Chan lost a tooth and got cut by a supposedly blunt sword. In oh, film. no. And there's actually a scene where he gets cut that I was watching today, and I'm pretty sure it's real. Um because he looks like he's in a lot of pain oh. in the movie. I remember like at the end of the Jackie Chan movies where they would show like the failed like stunts. Oh yeah, sure. And I was always like, oh my God, that's well, That's wild. the thing, you know, we, we talk about like Rumble in the Bronx. Like there's a scene where he jumps from a bridge onto a, it was like a hovercraft, right? Yeah. And in the in the outtakes, he jumps and he breaks his fucking ankle when he. I remember that, but that shot is still in the movie. Because it's badass. Because he's fucking badass, and I think that's the only take they got of it. You know, like we got to use it. I think there was there's like this movie. There was a take where he got pretty seriously injured, and it Mm. stayed in, and you could see the blood. Like it looks different. Than the looks other a little blood. bloodier. It looks, it looks a little more real. It looks a little bloodier. I would say is a good way to put it. Um, oh, this isn't just like red syrup. And it's funny because like I'm watching this, and there's a scene where he has like they had to put in a scene where he gets his tooth knocked out in the movie. 
because the rest, I think the last 15 minutes of the movie, he's literally lost one of his front teeth. I thought it was fake, but I, upon reading this, I'm like, oh, he actually lost his fucking tooth. <laughs> getting kicked in the face. <laughs> Which is cool. Uh, <laughs> this man suffers for his crafts. He's died for our sins. Okay. It's true. I've seen it. I've seen it. So now we move on to the the diamond in in this group of films, the 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 big winner, you know, the standout. Mm-hmm. Um, and that film is Drunken Master, which I am a big fan of. I always will be a big fan of this movie. Was I watched this a, say about ten years ago? Um, being a big Jackie Chan fan, I totally missed out on the beginning of his career. And Man yeah. Oh Man, this movie is fucking awesome. Um, and the great thing about this is it has so many supporting characters that are goofy as well. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a character that uses head foo in this movie. <laughs> head foo. Cause he's got this giant head. That's like made of steel. Well, it's not made of steel, but he's like bending swords over it. Right. Mm-hmm. So he just, he constantly fights just lunging his head at people. <laughs> that's so good. Oh my God. I kind of love that. And like Jackie tries to punch him and he lowers his head into the punch and he like hurts his hand on his head. <laughs> like it's funny shit like that. Um, yeah, this movie is really great. And Beggar So is in it again, played by the same guy who's actually the father of the director, uh, which I found out upon doing research for this stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I love I love the whole bum teaching karate or kung fu. I think that's one of my, that it's is so my good. favorite motif. <laughs> it's a very good motif. It's great in animes. It's great in fucking Chinese Kung Fu movies. It's always great. Um, the film's protagonist, Wang Fei Hung, according to legend, was an actual martial artist, a Chinese medicine practitioner, and a Chinese folk hero revolutionary. Uh, Beggar So, his teacher, is also part of the Chinese folklore and one of the 10 taggers of taggers 10 <laughs> 10 tigers of canton um mm-hmm. which is like an old story about some of the best martial art teachers in all of china it's like old shit you know teaching like uh swan technique and the the mm. snake and all, the crane you know um the film features the hung guy system of fighting Numerous numerous systems of Kung Fu actually feature forms of drunken boxing and the Taoist eight immortals are popular, popular staples of Chinese culture and art. Um, The reason I bring up the Taoist eight immortals is that that is a different form of drunken boxing. Each immortal represents a different form of the supposed style of drunken boxing. And one is a guy who carries a barrel around with him. So the entire type of technique, uh, Jackie Chan has his arms out as full as possible. Like he's holding a barrel and he's like hitting people and moving and swaying. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. Like it's very much like an anime in that, in that sense. Um, But of course, Wong's own style in this film is Drunken Miss Ho, which he (laughs) pretends to be a woman and does a bunch of splits while he's fighting. All right, let's go. 
and he hits someone in the dick again at the end. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 the the Johnny Cage ender right there. So Where you got it from, baby. Good so enough for me. These, so many of these he hits people in the dick. Um, okay, so Drunken Master, I think was this was the big movie for Jackie Chan. Um, it bought it grossed sixteen point five million dollars in nineteen seventy eight. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fucking money. Um, yeah, had a, a runtime of one hundred ten minutes. A Rotten Tomatoes score of 80% and an audience score of 85%. This is a classic Jackie Chan movie. This is the best movie of the series of films that I watched, hands down. Mm -hmm. And then we move on to the final film of the Jackie Chan 1970s retrospective Galanian chill, Kicktacular. Kicktacular! And we have half a loaf of Kung Fu. <laughs> this sounds amazing. What is it? It's bread-based karate Kung Fu. So in this film, and it, it's the closest that I've seen thus far of a just a straight up naked gun-esque movie about karate and Kung Fu. Okay. It is completely, it makes fun of the whole stoic nature of Kung Fu. Um, basically it's the main character Jackie Chan plays is like a, a bumbling college student who just wants to party and get laid and learn martial arts. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> hold on. Are you telling, are you telling me this movie is the equivalent of animal house, but with Kung Fu? Kinda. Yeah. I mean, he's like getting into these weird adventures and there's this witch that there's this room that they tell him not to go into and he goes into it and there's a witch in there and she's kind of attractive. it's just so it's really silly and it bounces back and forth like there's another plot where he sees like two kung fu masters dueling in the desert like he doesn't he barely fights in this movie um he just sees two masters dueling to the death and they one kills the other and he walks up to the one who's still living and he's like well it looks like your kung fu is really good why don't you train me and he tries to kill Jackie and that doesn't happen. Like it's just <laughs> shit. It's just stupid random bullshit that happens to this dumbass who wants to learn kung fu. Um it's fun. It's definitely not as plotted out as something like Drunken Master, which actually has a plot and things. Yeah. Um, but this is the first film written slash co-written by Jackie Chan himself. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it's really cool that he took on such a comedic a- aspect to the films. I think he knows at this point, which, you know, it's only 1978. He's pretty much in the beginning of his career, though. He knows mm. what he wants to do. Right. He he kind of has honed it down. It took him three years in, in his career, and he made a lot of movies in that, that time. But he knows at this point what he's going to keep doing moving forward. Right. And that's the Jackie we all know and love, right? Yeah, he, he is kind of like um, the Chinese Leslie Nielsen, just <laughs> since we're saying Naked Gun. Uh, that's good. That's a good uh, uh, comparison. Because I feel like we're more that where that movie was satirizing like crime and film noir and stuff, which are really popular in America and right. a staple in our culture. This movie is doing the exact same thing, but with kung fu movies which is a staple of chinese culture so yeah there's there's a lot of crossover there i feel um yeah so that's uh the six films that i reviewed 
Uh, Drunken Master being the best, but really go out and see Snake and the Eagle Shadow if you can find it. I really can't recommend that movie enough. Um, that was that was the uh, the surprise of the those easily, viewings. Easily, I didn't think his his comedic aspect showed up until Drunken Master, and now mm. I know it was Snake and the Eagle Shadow that really. This is the first Jackie Chan movie, man. Right. You know the rest of these like. Snake of Crane Arts uh, in the Shadow, um, To Kill with Intrigue, Shell and Woodman. They're they're a a production company not understanding who they have, what talent they really have at their disposal. Right. This was back when you know everybody wanted to try and have the next Bruce Lee. Right. And it's good on them for realizing that they had to change gears because I feel like. Some other people, like Samuel Hung, who I felt like was more geared toward comedy and then did more like serious, dramatic kung fu movies. Yeah. I think they didn't have enough faith in him. And for some reason, they gave Jackie Chan the green light for that movie. And it really, it it made him a, a, a staple yeah. of action movies in general. So I think it was just luck. I think it was a little stroke of luck, a little bit of faith. And that's the Jackie Chan we know and love today. Love it. Jackie so, Chan. That's 70s. it for the 70s Jackie Chan. The next part, part two, uh, which will feature 80s movies from Jackie Chan. I'm not going to do it back to back. All right, no. Steve? No, I, um, I don't expect you to. You, you, you'd never come back from that. I, I would be too much. Um, my, my next choice for Galani and Chill, I'm going to pick Fellini movies. Oh, we're doing Fellini. All right. Federico. Federico Fellini? Is it Federico? Uh, Federico. I'm going to find out. Hold on. Yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let me look this up. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since I've heard that name, Chris. Yeah, Federico Fellini. Federico Fellini. Eight and a um, half. Eight and a half. I'm a big fan. I haven't seen that movie in years. I haven't. I, that's the only Fellini movie that I've seen, too. That's so. the movie they show you in college. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I want to watch the other stuff. I even want to watch the stuff like uh, he made a movie called Carnival. And apparently mm. that's when he really starts to go like up his own ass. Okay. With the whole like meta shit. So I'm really mm. curious what that means. Let's see uh, where he goes. Right. And, uh, you know, I want to class up a little bit. I've been watching a lot of action movies and, right uh, that's a bit, it's a bit much so i'm gonna change gears next week. class this fart join month. up a little bit next month excuse me all right um, so august fellini august is fellini spaghetti scapolini Sp- spaghetti, spaghetti. <laughs> i don't know what the fuck i'm saying anymore uh yeah I'm excited for that. I'm I I I haven't seen enough Fellini movies like Bergman. When I did that one, yeah, I'm glad to take on this this task. Looks interesting. Well, let's let's go. Let's Fellini it up. And that, my friend, is another Galani and Chill episode for the books. All right. Well, you know what? Let's let's throw that book comedically at someone and then rub our shin really fast. Ah, ah, He's so good at that. That's a classic. That's a classic Jackie Chan joke. Or rubbing his head like he does that. Oh, he's like, oh, 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 oh. His faces, man. His fucking faces. They're They're good faces. They're They're good faces. Uh, Sorry. Hey, no worries. You know what? No better way to end a podcast than burping out all of the content. (laughs) What? All right, so we'll see you next time.
See you next time. We got a regular uh, episode of Anti Fanboy coming up for you next week. So see you then. Filled with Devons and Johns. Full of Devons and Johns. They can't be here. They're various cities and places. They're traveling. They're traveling. It's it, folks. It's been tough this this month. A lot of a lot of vacations. A lot of traveling. We couldn't get down to it until till now. So. Till now. There we go. But hey, worth it. Worth, worth it. it, baby. All right. We'll see you. Bye.